Another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. Hope you guys had a good holiday weekend. On today's show, we've got a lot to get to to recap what was a very busy holiday weekend for Wisconsin athletics. Uh, we'll start with um, some news at the front of the show. We've got some basketball news, some football news, some volleyball news, and then we'll get into recapping the finale from the Maui Invitational, which saw the Badgers become Maui champs, which was a really uh, fun couple days for the Wisconsin basketball team. And then after that, we'll get into the recap of what was a tough and uh, disappointing trip for Wisconsin football up to Minneapolis, of course, um, falling losers to of the axe, which is never fun. It's a tough one when you sw- have to swallow that it also costs, you know, the West Division title, um, a trip to the Big Ten Championship. The list goes on and on. A really tough football game for them to lose, and I know there's a lot of a lot of the fan base not uh, super excited with uh, that result. And, and clearly on the Twitter sphere, it's been made known. But we'll get into all things um, Wisconsin, Minnesota, um, as we recap what's been a, a up and down regular season of Wisconsin football. Matt, how are you today? Doing good, yeah. No, I, I think the next couple of weeks are going to be pretty crazy. We've seen already some some transfer portal news, whether it become from the Badgers or elsewhere. There's coaches kind of moving all over the place. So um, I think this is like we look at it, hey, there's not like a, a game to preview for the football team this week. But across college football, there is a ton of news going on and more and more swirling as we speak. So uh, it, it's going to be fun. And um, I, I know we're going to be kind of along for the ride. How are you doing, man? I'm good. Yeah, it's really going to be, um, I mean, you talk about a crazy just college football season already. I think this off season will be just as crazy in terms of the coaching carousel. Um, a ton of open jobs. You're going to have transfer portal left and right. You're going to have recruits flipping left and right. So just because there won't exactly be, you know, every team playing across the country like we're used to over the last 12, 13 weeks, there's still be plenty of news flying. And, and yesterday was certainly a big news day with uh, all sorts of firings, hirings, coaching changes, all like that. So it's going to be a, a busy few weeks once you get to National Signing Day as well. So the, the news of the episodes uh, will not slow down anytime soon. And speaking of news, why don't we go ahead and get started with some of that? We'll start with the football news. We've got a couple brief little things to talk about. Isaiah Green Bay, outside linebacker for Wisconsin, has announced that he's going to enter the transfer portal, so his final season will be spent elsewhere. Of course, a guy that always looked like a, a guy with high upside for Wisconsin, never quite really panned out. He thought maybe this was the year early in, on in the season. I know there was a lot of talk about him um, progressing didn't see as much of them as you maybe would have thought. And, of course, you know, with the other outside linebackers playing really well, it was hard to crack the field. So Isaiah Green May will transfer and finish his season elsewhere. What do you make of that news, that news announcement? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense when you consider kind of his career arc and everything that's gone on. He's a really bright kid, and he's he's done a lot at the University of Wisconsin, you know, off of the field. He, he's really involved in a lot of things. Um, the um, – 
he's he's just like a guy that you'd want on your team. And I think whoever gets him is is getting a player with, like you mentioned, a, a, a guy that if he can stay healthy, he can help you out. Um, I, but over the course of his career, we saw he injured his finger um, back in 2019 when it looked like he was going to have a huge role. He all through fall camp, he was a starter, went down with injury. Noah Brooks kind of took over for him the rest of the way. And um, I was a little surprised that he he didn't take advantage of the extra year at Wisconsin, but I think that's a testament to some of the younger players that are probably going to have a shot next year once Noah Burks moves on. And um, that's probably in the best interest of the Badgers, probably the best interest of Green May. But he's a guy that you root for. Um, this isn't like somebody who um, went out on bad terms. This is He's a, a really nice kid who I, I think everybody should be rooting for. And I, I think um, hopefully he can take advantage wherever he ends up in, where he's going to grad school. Absolutely. I mean, he's a guy that um, you, you always – wanted to see have success at Wisconsin. I know it didn't quite work out for what he was looking to do, but hopefully he can go to somewhere else. I'm sure um, another school, you know, around where he's from, you could, you could see it makes sense, maybe a little bit smaller school, but the guy it certainly has potential. I know like, I, I don't think it was a ever a case of the talent not being there, maybe just not up to, um, you know, that high power five school type level. And, and the fact that he went against a lot of good outside linebackers at Wisconsin, I do think he's a player that could go somewhere else and hopefully find success in the end of his career and then make an impact because he's got a lot of the raw tools. And if he can translate that to, to being on the field, I, I think he could be a really productive player somewhere else. So interested to see where he's going and wish him the best of luck as he move forward here. Absolutely. All right, the next piece of news, Jalen Berger has announced that he will be committing to Michigan State. Of course, entered the transfer portal formerly with the Wisconsin Badgers. Um, certainly, in, it's always tough to see a player go, but an in-state or in-conference uh, player will be interesting for the Badgers. Uh, I know Michigan State is on the upcoming schedule, so that should be a fun matchup. But overall, made a lot of sense. It seemed like that was going to be – there's been kind of hints, and, and I know he had been – if you follow him on Twitter – kind of mentioning how much he enjoyed his time when he went and saw Michigan State and the, the uh, staff change over from Wisconsin over to there. It makes a ton of sense. Um, so really not all that surprising, but it is uh, interesting to see a final decision from him. So what did you make of that? Yeah, best of luck to him. Um, obviously it didn't work out with Wisconsin after he was dismissed due to some off-the-field stuff. Hopefully with um, you know his mentor, Saeed Khalif, who is the guy he followed from Jersey to Wisconsin, Hopefully, Khalif can get him on the right track because you, you want to wish a, a player well and, and hope for him to, to be able to turn things around. But it, it's going to come down to him changing his habits and, and everything. But um, I, I, overall, I think if you look at this, Wisconsin took a player from Michigan State in the secondary and Kalon Gervin. You, you see them now taking former Wisconsin running back. Overall, I, I think if, if that's a trade, do you take that? Because you've got a guy who's kind of a cancer in your locker room out, and you bring in a player who's also a four-star four prospect um, when he was coming out of high school with a couple years of eligibility at a play a position of need going forward. I, I think you do. I think you take that if you're looking at two players who have high upside but that you just don't necessarily know if they're going to be able to pan out in your scheme. I think Wisconsin has to feel good about getting Gervin, but you also look at um, the success that Michigan State had with Kenneth Walker coming over as a transfer, and you got to think maybe Berger can have 
um, a, a decent career if he can figure things out. I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan State keeps going for other running backs, though, um, just based off of the fact that Berger could also play in the slot or somewhere else as well. Yeah, you, you certainly wish him the best of luck. I think it'd be a – I mean, you, you're going to see Wisconsin, of course, meet up with Michigan State next year on October 8th. So uh, you don't want him to have too much success in that <laughs> in that game. But uh, overall, you do hope that he goes to Michigan State and puts together a, a solid career. Um, and, and like you said, I think that the transfer portal now, when you see guys have success, it, it certainly makes sense that uh, you, you want to try and hop in and hopefully have that same jump. And Michigan State's been a school that's really um, hit the transfer portal hard. So – the connections are there. It makes sense for, for him as a player. It makes sense for them as a coaching staff when you've got a guy like Kenneth Walker. So um, I, I think overall it's, it's, a, it's a good move for him, and uh, you have to hope and, and hope that he keeps his career on the right track and can get things figured out because obviously it didn't work out at Wisconsin, but he's a very talented player. We've seen that um, in the limited time that he had there, and I think the, the talent is certainly still in there. It just uh, needs the right uh, setting to bring that back out. All right, next piece of news, we'll go ahead and talk, uh, before we get into the Johnny Davis news, why don't we go ahead and talk about the Wisconsin basketball new uniforms. They dropped those today, the player uniforms, which I think are are pretty slick. I know there's been some mixed reviews online, but I thought they were a home run. So uh, real quickly before we talk about Jonathan Davis, uh, what did you make of of those? I loved them. I thought um, we've seen some questionable uh, short choices in the past. Um, with Wisconsin retro uniforms, these that um, that logo on the side, it's very similar to the home field um, sweatshirt logo that they have. Um, I, I loved it. I, I think um, you look at the scheme. I love that it's from the players. It gets them excited about the uniforms. Um, overall, I thought it was great, and and I'm excited to see them rock them on Saturday when we've got a stripe out. You you have to see the stripes in there as well to kind of pull that all together against a, a rival team in Marquette. I I think you can't. Uh, in, in my eyes, it's it's nothing but positivity. Yeah, I, I think those are really sharp. I do like the, the the player uniforms that they had some say in that, which is always cool to see. I think that's uh you know you you talk about Wisconsin. They're not always going to have a new uniform combo every time or these new flashy uniforms every season. But um, to get some of these, you know, onesie-twosie type uh, uniform choices out there um, and available to these guys um, is really cool. I know maybe to the fans it doesn't make a huge difference, but when you can get a new set of uniforms as a college player, I'm sure it's a ton of excitement. I mean, it's a huge recruiting pitch, especially on the football side. You look at schools that roll out these new uniforms, all the new gear, taking pictures in it. Uh, maybe, you know, like I said, to the average fan, maybe it doesn't make a difference. But for these uh, players, it's certainly a lot of fun. And I'm excited to see um, them them wear them in an upcoming in that upcoming contest. So overall, I think it's a slam dunk, and uh, I think the guys will come out and hopefully continue to play well in those uniforms. I know the the ones they were wearing in Maui um, seem to have some good luck to them. So hopefully, these new ones don't bring any bad juju. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Um, next piece of news, why don't we talk about Jonathan Davis? Because, of course, his big performance in the Maui Invitational not only led him to being the MVP of the tournament, but also led him to the, be the Big Ten Player of the Week. Uh, so really a, a good week because also Wisconsin basketball entered the rankings, bracketology. Wisconsin is now in there. So overall, a good week for Greg Gard's crew. But uh, to start with Jonathan Davis, what did you uh, make of that? And are you, are you – I mean, really, it's not a big surprise because he played so well in each of those three games, but uh, how big is that for him in the trajectory of his career? 
I think it's huge. I mean, you look at what he was able to do, average no, nearly 24 points and seven rebounds in the Maui Invitational, um, especially coming off of an injury where you didn't necessarily know if he was going to be crisp, how fresh he was going to be after missing that Providence game. And he absolutely looked like a um, first-round draft pick. Like, he, he looked the part um, right away for the Badgers. His shot was on, um, and, and he was aggressive on both ends. Uh, he, he's, he's a phenomenal defender when he wants to be. He's, he has the mid-range game. He can get to the bucket. And it was, it was awesome to see him take the team and, and show, hey, I'm going to be the player that they need because Wisconsin needs a player to break out of the mold of, hey, it's just a developmental program. And, and it probably always will be, but you still need to have players that can show, hey, we can get players ready for the next level. Greg Gard needs that. Um, so they need Jonathan Davis to, to go out and show out. And I think this was an award that's showing and putting him on, on the national stage. Um, when you have Jay Billis, you know, take Jay Billis for whatever he is um, and however you feel about him as an announcer. But to have him speaking so highly of Johnny Davis is is definitely something that's positive for his draft status and and the program in general because he is the face of this team and and having him go out and drop 24 and 7 almost on a per game basis is is something that you haven't seen in a while and it's eye opening especially from the guard position they just haven't had that electric guard um we you you can think back to Sam Decker and Frank Kaminsky, but those are both forwards and big men. Um, you know, Decker more of a wing, but Johnny Davis is is a bona fide guard who could be in a first round draft pick if he continues to play at this high of a level. Yeah, absolutely. The way he's playing has been really impressive to watch, and it's really given this team a spark. I mean, you talk about he was the the lead performer of the Maui Invitational, where he did a lot of things, not only scoring the ball but moving the basketball as well. He just played a a really great and, and clean couple days, and I think you're seeing the progression from. Where he was at last year as a, you know, I don't want to say a secondary option. He was probably one of the better players on the floor most times for Wisconsin. But now being the guy um, for this offense has really uh, allowed them to take um, a step forward. And they're really, I mean, to, not to uh, broaden out to the entire team, but I think it works well into the rankings and, and them kind of being the Maui champs. They're really a fun team to watch, and it starts with the spark plug like Jonathan Davis. So I think this group and, and him – specifically have played really well and it's been a great start to the season not necessarily a start that any of us expected but uh, I think it's huge for their confidence moving forward to get started hot this early and that starts with a player uh, of his caliber and and just the way he's performed and and put the I would say put the team on his back because the team overall played really well but he was kind of the starter um, that got things going in so many different ways for sure all right, our next piece of news before, we're going to get into more basketball talk, um, of course, with the Maui Invitational. We'll talk uh, the team overall. But before we do that, we've got to touch on some volleyball. I know um, volleyball hasn't been a big topic of discussion on the show of late, but they do deserve uh, a ton of recognition for winning the outright Big Ten championship. Um, a ton of fun to watch. I think when you talk about this volleyball team, this might be the best group. I know they haven't played. I mean, they've had a few more losses this year, but they, they just – Something about this team seems a little bit different from you know the, the past couple of years where they've gotten to those you know, final fours and, and um, you know national runner ups run, runner up games that way. So, what do you make of this? How big? I mean, of course, a huge accomplishment. They've been here before, but this one uh, just feels really good when you talk about you know winning a absolutely loaded uh, Big Ten conference. Yeah, it's incredibly impressive. You look at the skill that they have all over the court, and 
it's <laughs> there's there's um, rare air in Wisconsin sports just to see how dominant they've been here. Um, you know, I don't think anybody's going to touch just how dominant the women's hockey program is with the Badgers, but at this point. The volleyball program is probably the second best program when you look at just sheer ability to pump out um, talent year in and year out. Kelly Sheffield has that group humming. And um, you look at the field that they're now in for the tournament, and you've got Baylor in, in their bracket. You've got Stanford, a team that they lost to a few years, but Baylor, the team that they beat earlier this year, um, is as the five seed that you would maybe see towards the end if you get, get to that Elite Eight. Um, you've got Minnesota, a team you played a ton against this year um, and, and had some good battles with. So I think Wisconsin's in a really good place here. They got Colgate on the third, um, and then they play either Texas Tech or Florida Gulf Coast. But I, I just – you look at this, they have studs. And um, um, Dana Recchi leading this team, and they've got other options to turn to. And it's just a fun watch whenever you get the opportunity to watch this group. And, and you – you have a hard time not rooting for them just based off of um, everything that they do on the court, off the court, and um, the fun that they have when they're playing. Like, this is a very fun group that's easy to root for. Yeah, most definitely. You hope that they can um, continue this this impressive run that they've got. But I know uh, when when some of these players came back, you know, Dana Redke, the aspiration was, of course, to get over that hump and win a national championship. They've got all the talent to do it, and, and it looks like they're going to be in, in a position at least to start in the way they're playing. Um, to make that run, and hopefully they do because you couldn't, you know, like you said, you can't root for a more deserving group. Um, the work they've put in, the the, the amount of, of games they've won, um, it's just been really impressive stretch here, and you'd love to see them finish off what will be a, a you know, final game um, for a lot of these, you know, a lot of this group um, with a national championship, and so I'm excited to see what this volleyball team can do um, on their run, and as we get, of course, finished up with football, and we'll have a little bit of break here, well, we'll maybe try and work in more volleyball content and, of course, follow that more closely um, than what we have had in the past. All right, we'll go ahead and switch gears back to basketball now. We're kind of hopping around, but that's okay. Um, Maui Invitational, we, we talked about the first two games. Of course, to come out in that third game against St. Mary's, once again, another impressive win. I mean, it's a, it's a game that they fell behind, battled back, clawed back. So I think you're seeing this team – I think this was just an overall three great days of basketball for them to come back in a game, to hold a lead in a game, and then, you know, pressure against the wall, didn't quite have the same um, things working from those, that for those first two games, and they found a way to win. So I'm not going to sit here and say all three of the teams that they played were, you know, amazing teams. They knocked off a ton of huge teams, but they, I mean, that Houston win um, was certainly impressive. That's going to be a tournament team, maybe the other two. Um, you know, fringe bubble teams that way, at least to start. But overall, three wins is a win for this team, uh, and it really was uh, an impressive stretch. So what did you make from that uh, finale against St. Mary's? I was incredibly impressed. Um, you look at what this team did to win the bracket, and they really took care of business against all of the teams that they played, obviously, to get there. But, but also, when you look at the rest of the teams that they got through, those teams played really well in the mm-hmm. tournament as well. Like, it wasn't like they went through an easy part. They didn't play Chaminade or anything like that. They had to play some tough teams who all shown out and, and put on respectable efforts the rest of the way in the tournament. So I think that's got to be um, another part of uh, positivity, to, a positive aspect to take from this game. But the biggest thing for me beyond Johnny Davis 
just going out there and, and playing so well was Tyler Wall, man. Like, he mm-hmm. played so good. Um, you look at the evolution of his game from that scrawny kid as a, as a freshman who was just kind of helping the team out to last year overtaking Nate Reavers in the starting lineup um, at the power forward position. And now, um, instead of being just an option that can help you out from time to time in the scoring um, column, he put up 18 points in that championship game and in a really solid effort against Houston as well. But he is being efficient. He's playing within himself, and you don't see that, um, you know, how he kind of goes out of control. It's, he's playing very under control now, put up 18-5, and, and then added four blocks. Like, that is a really good effort. He is a phenomenal player on the defensive end, and you can see his confidence grow. I know that Greg Gard mentioned that Wall was a guy who's, who we expected to take on a leadership role, and you can see that he did that. Even with Brad Davison, your elder statesman, shooting one of ten in the game and really struggling, one of seven from three, not being able to get much going um, in the game, to have another player be able to step up and say, okay, I'm going to help you out here. Another guy, Lauren Bowman, he had a couple big buckets in the middle of the second half to, to really kind of swing momentum in their favor and allow them to run away with things. Um, I, I just – I am so incredibly impressed by this team and what they've been able to do so far um, and be able to have guys pick them up. It was a team effort, but really Johnny Davis and Tyler Wall deserve a ton of credit for just kind of carrying things and getting the team to the end because they played – so well, and they give the team a one-two punch with a guy like Davison and Crowell who can also help you out from time to time that they haven't had. Like last year and the year prior, they had a very balanced attack. Now they've got a couple guys that you can turn to and say, those are players who are going to contend for all Big Ten um, honors. Wall probably on the defensive end and maybe as a second team, second or third teamer. Um, Johnny Davis, a guy who could be a bona fide first teamer in the Big Ten. I know it's going to be tough when you look at some of the talent around the conference, but he's going to be a first or second teamer most likely as well. And you got to feel really good about this team. There's still things to clean up. They're good. They still had stretches where they struggled to score, but the the development of Davis and Wall to this point have really stood out, and it's and it's a big reason why they went ahead and won the, the Maui Invitational. Yeah, it's really been nice to see a guy like Tyler Wall kind of take that jump. You know, I, I kind of thought, you know, looking back at last year that he was a guy, I don't want to say he didn't fit, but it was just kind of hard to find him to be really the guy that they played through. And now you're seeing an opportunity where you've got, you know, Jonathan Davis is probably the guy that you're going to play through, and, and Brad Davison is, is playing well. He's going to be a guy that you certainly are working the ball through. But Tyler Wall can be a guy that can really dominate a game, and, and he looks like a guy that has really taken his game to the next level, which is was awesome to see. He's played so much basketball in his career from Wisconsin at an early age um, to all of a sudden now, you know, now being a guy that's not only uh, a dominating force and, and really playing well on the offensive end, but defensively he played incredibly well. Um, and, you know, that that game, you know, they don't even come close to winning it without a performance like that from him. So if he can play like that, and, and I'm not going to sit here and say I expect Jonathan Davis to play at that high of a caliber every game, but um, if they can get consistent performances uh, of solid play from those two, this team all of a sudden becomes a much better team than I think the original outlook was. So um, it, it's been a great week to work back in the rankings to to – you know, get some of these strong performances from some of these guys to win the tournament. I think the confidence has to be high, uh, but rightfully so. I think that, like you mentioned, this team um, 
beat a lot of good teams, and it was a tough tournament. It was, I think, overall a really well-played tournament. And, um, and to see Wisconsin come out of top, I think, is huge for the momentum of this team. And now they just need to find a way to continue that and carry it on because, um, for better or for worse, their, their stretch of games coming up does not get any easier. They don't have a ton of, you know, cupcakes on the schedule, which I think you'll see, you know, iron sharpens iron. I think you're seeing already the playing these tough games in the non-conference will only help them as they get into the Big Ten Conference and winning those games. And, and of course, winning um, the Maui Invitational is, um, you know, huge for the psyche and the, and the improvement and morale of this team. Because last year you talk about, you know, that team went out to New York and, and played in that tournament, really struggled. That was kind of a, a downer for them. And all of a sudden it kind of uh, snowballed into a, a struggle here. Hopefully it's the opposite and they can come away um, with those three games out in Vegas and continue um, to play solid and collective basketball. Yeah, and, and, and this team, while they're very young and they still have a long way to go, they've already kind of formed an identity, which I think is huge. They play really good defense. There's, there's, that's like what they're going to lean on. And then from there, they're able to make their free throws and they attack the basket, like which I think helps them when you have a team that might go through some shooting woes. Wisconsin and shooting woes go hand in hand, at least if you go back to the past um, you know, 10 years. There's been times when you see the huge scoring droughts and it drives you mad. But you look at this team and they're going to have scoring droughts, but their ability to attack the basket because you have a guy like Tyler Wall, you've got a guy like Johnny Davis who are best when they're going towards the basket and not settling for jumpers, and their ability to finish at the free throw line. In this game against St. Mary's, 16 of 18 from the free throw line, including 6 of 6 from Tyler Wall, 5 of 5 from Johnny Davis. And then on the defensive end, they forced 16 turnovers. So you're looking at a team that is able to do the, the little things. They're playing a really closely to a Bo Ryan style of basketball. Um, they didn't get a bunch of fast break points, but they, which they did early in the year. But their ability to weather those scoring droughts, I think, is going to be better because they have the ability to get after the basket and go to the basket instead of settling for jump shots, which we've seen so frequently um, these past few years based off of the personnel that they have. Yeah, it's it's really been a, a fun few games uh, for this team, and I'm excited to see what they can do as they move forward, and hopefully they can, can keep that momentum going um, and into this uh, this next stretch of non-conference play. All right, guys, so that wraps up our basketball talk. So why don't we get our ad reads out of the way, and then we'll get into what was a a rough uh, trip to Minneapolis for Wisconsin football. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, so I think we were both hoping that we would be on this episode of talking about Wisconsin uh, winning the West Division, winning the Axe, and heading to Indianapolis, and unfortunately it is uh, not quite that. It's kind of the complete opposite that we have to discuss. Um, really just a, a bad game for Wisconsin in, in all facets there. I can't really think sit here and say 
there was something that we saw that was really positive um, in this game. And it's kind of it's a different conversation for us than what we're used to having early in the season. We had some of these, you know, rough, cathartic uh, type of episodes, and then we kind of got into this team was rolling and, and kind of talking about the same thing, and now it's all of a sudden back to that cathartic. But this one almost stings even more, uh, of course, when you lose your rival and it lose everything that was on the line for this team. Um, so a disappointing ending to the regular season. Overall, what do you kind of make and take from uh, this contest? It looked very similar to what we saw earlier on in the year. Um they weren't able to get Braylon Allen going. He was clearly hobbled, mm-hmm. right? Like you could see that he was um, dealing with some an injury to the that ankle, lower body injury. Um, and uh, he went ahead and in post game talked about how they Minnesota did some things to to make it tough on them um, and that they hadn't seen. And um, Wisconsin just didn't have anything to respond with, and and that was frustrating in a lot of ways. But um, you, you look at the seven-game win streak, and Braylon Allen was kind of showing out and breaking tackles and making plays. And you saw Minnesota go ahead and say, he's not going to be the one to beat us. We're going to pack the box. We're going to stop him and dare Graham Mertz to beat him. And the Badgers couldn't. They just had no second pitch. They had nothing to, to counteract that with. Wisconsin, once again, went to throwing the ball a ton, 38 attempts. Um, Graham Mertz hasn't won a game where he's had to throw that much before, and it's it's not the recipe for success. Defensively, there was some big plays, and Minnesota was able to do enough on offense. And uh, it's just it was just a a bad game, and it was not fun to watch. Um, it I knew it was going to be it was bad when my dad, who's a diehard Badger fan, was just looking at his phone for the entire um, fourth quarter. He was just so pissed. <laughs> Yeah, I can't really can't really blame it. It just felt like a game that, um, even from the jump, I mean, just the 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 bad juju from the the first play, Colin Wilder, um, and that target getting call. It just felt like it was going to be one of those days that um, that just. Didn't Did you agree with that call? I I I didn't really agree with it. I could see why it got upheld. Like I think you you watch it and you say, okay, I think it's a dumb call and I think it's a dumb rule, but. I can see that they're probably going to uphold this because that's what they've done all season. But I wouldn't sit here and say that I agreed with it, uh, I guess. Yeah, that yeah just, I, I, uh, I think that's fair. It's, uh, you know, you, you kind of saw it and you go, okay, that's that's not targeting to me, but he's probably going to get kicked out of this game. And that was an unfortunate start um, to what was kind of a, an unfortunate day overall. Um, as you mentioned, the run game couldn't get going. The defense really, you know, I, I know it was in the final score is, is probably not – quite as indicative of, of the defense. I, I felt like Minnesota was picking up chunk plays and, and moving the ball really well where it seemed like it it probably could have been a wider margin um, if, if the defense didn't come up with some crucial and, and you know third and short stops um, to get off the field and, and key downs. But really it was just uh, nothing great to take from this game and, uh, of course, a disappointing finish. Um, so it, it felt like a game that – Graham Mertz was going to have to try and win. And like you mentioned, when it's been put uh, on his shoulders that much, it hasn't quite worked out. Um, the, I mean, we can get into a whole host of things, but it's really the start, the, to open up the conversation, it was a ton of negatives um, from this game, not a lot of positives to take. And, and offensively, um, we can maybe start there. When, and, and with Braylon Allen, of course, not being able to get going, the run game, non-existent really you're going to probably be on the losing end when you just with Wisconsin football that's their identity and when they don't have that 
uh, it, it turns to a passing game that hit some plays, but overall wasn't consistent enough, uh, wasn't good enough to get the job done. So offensively, well, what did you take from, was it was it more just inability to get the run game going? Was it play calling? What did you feel like was kind of the issue there, aside from not being able to run the ball? Everything. <laughs> um, no, I, I think it all starts up front. Um mm-hmm. You saw Minnesota say, beat us through the air, we're going to pack the box. And Minnesota's front, which they brought in a bunch of transfers, they whooped up on Wisconsin's offensive line. They crashed inside. They did not allow um, anything to get going. There was a couple phantom holding calls that I didn't agree with, especially early, a couple of them that really took away from some big chunk plays that I think might have shifted the game a little bit in Wisconsin's favor. But, man, just – the fact that they ran the ball 22 times, 2.8 yards a carry. Brady Shipper, the only one who averaged over three yards per carry on his one attempt um, in, in just kind of a third down carry. But they just – there was a lack of creativity when it wasn't working. I was surprised, though, that you didn't see um, a guy like Julius Davis get a carry, like not even mm-hmm. a shot when you ha- – like, you can't completely go away from the run. And I know that the Badgers were only averaging 2.8 yards a carry, but Minnesota was averaging two yards a carry. They ran it 37 times, and part of that is because they wanted to control the clock. They did a much better job on third down and in crucial situations to get chunk plays. But Wisconsin, like, you can't just completely abandon the run in there and in and just kind of show your cards that, hey, we're going to throw the ball at a shotgun every time. So I was surprised by that if you have a, a hobbled running back not being able to do that. But the offensive line, just completely outworked. Wide receivers just outside of Danny Davis weren't able to do anything. Kendrick Pryor had a couple crucial drops, um, missed opportunities there. Um, Graham Mertz was off pretty all, mm-hmm. all day. Um, and I know part of that was there was a couple times where um, they were, there was a little bit of pressure, and he just hasn't been good when there's any semblance of pressure all year long. But, um, you know, he they didn't give up any sacks, but Mertz was also just – he short-armed a couple throws, didn't get it there, was off on his um, ball placement, which, I mean, it set up the defense in a terrible situation in, this, in the third quarter there based off of that interception. It, it was It was the same thing we've seen early on in the year when you play a good team who is, is going to go ahead and say, we're going to stop you with stop the run and has the horses to do it. Wisconsin was able to do it. And I was, I was impressed by what Minnesota did. And that makes me want to barf because I, you know, I just about swore there, but because I hate PJ Fleck and his stick and everything about him, but the, he put in a good game plan and completely, um, you know, worked over Wisconsin in this game. And that's frustrating to say, because I thought that Wisconsin would have had something to go to, we didn't see any of the things that we've seen in the past, where whether it was um, uh, creativity using uh, jet sweep, creativity using some trick plays. I mean, nothing. There was nothing. There wasn't um, anything to kind of throw them out of what they thought was they were going to see. And because of that, Minnesota just kind of said, okay, we're going to keep stuff in the run and, and make you beat us. And Wisconsin couldn't. They didn't have the outside game to do it. They didn't have the quarterback to do it. And that's frustrating. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it, and and I'm glad you mentioned the the lack of creativity because it's really odd that you know over the course of that winning streak they they implemented some wrinkles to get better um, in, in some of those facets, and then all of a sudden it just it just kind of felt like the the offense as a whole want their you know and granted when you're winning games with Braylon Allen running all over people 
it's easy to to get complacent and think that that's going to work every time. And and this was the first time it hadn't really worked. And and what how they were going to respond is is certainly something of interest. But I, it just would have been nice to see some some tries, some wrinkles. I mean, you've got your your season on the on the line, so to speak. I mean, of course, Wisconsin's going to go to a a mid tier bowl and they'll probably play well. And and that's great, but you, you've got you know your division oldest rivalry in college football, a, a huge trophy game, your your bitter rival, but on top of that, the the Big Ten West, the Indi- um you know the trip to Indianapolis for the Big Ten championship, all of that on the line, and it just felt like overall the offense, when their their key piece stopped working, they just kind of clammed up, and it just like it's like they got a punch that you know they got a punch, and they were just dazed and were never able to bounce back and and find some sort of groove. It just seemed like the confidence was kind of taken out of them when when Braylon Allen you know started to get shut down, and maybe that just shows that this team was really good because of Braylon Allen's performances, and he was kind of carrying this offense. But um, when you've got other guys on this team, you know Graham Mertz, you know he's struggled, but he's played a good amount of football. Um, the offensive line has played, you know, now a a, a lot of football, and, and you've got receivers that have played a ton of football. So you should have been able to figure out um, some sort of way to put together a performance uh, that was better than this. And I don't know if that's just, um, you know, the coaching staff and the play calling and, and struggles there, but it seems like it was just a collective, like, oh crap, our best weapon isn't working. We don't really know what to do, and that uh, that's frustrating because, like you mentioned, PJ Flack put together a game plan, and that Minnesota staff deserves a lot of credit because they found a way um, to, to neutralize him, to move the ball offensively, and uh, it led to a victory for for them and uh, a tough finish for Wisconsin. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is Minnesota doesn't have, like, studs. It's not like they have mm-hmm. Antoine Winfield from 2019. Like, they don't have guys or Kamal Martin where you're saying, this this is a future NFL guy, no doubt about it, he's going to be drafted. They don't have that. But what they did do is they were very sound, and they made their tackles. They they did what they needed to do, and they had a game plan. They stuck with it, and it worked. Um, I thought Danny Davis looked pretty good when he had chances, but um, I, I you look at this team right now, and it's just they can't get big plays. They had a long play of 17 yards. Like, that is just atrocious in college football. They put up six points of offense on two field goals. Like, this team has to figure it out on offense. There's going to have to be changes that are going to come there. But they need to be able to figure out something that doesn't require Braylon Allen breaking tackles. We talked about it last episode and in the episode before that. Like, a large chunk of his plays have come from broken tackles. I think it was Mm -hmm. out of the 220 yards against Nebraska, 184 of them came from broken tackles and yards after contact. That is, that's great. And that tells you that he's got a really talented back, but when he can't break those tackles because he's hobbled, the defense is playing sound and they've got a good defense, like make no mistake about it. But Wisconsin just didn't have anything else that they could turn to. And that's tough to see because they need to be able to have something else to help them out. Um, whether that be another back, whether it be some creativity, um, whether it be the passing game, they've got to figure it out this offseason and before the bowl game. Um, and because you look at that, I talked about 17 yards uh, was their biggest play from, from scrimmage. You look at Minnesota, they had six different plays that went 18 yards or longer. Six of them. In a game where there's where yardage and points are paramount, like it, because of limited possessions, to have big plays that, that get you first downs 
are crucial. Wisconsin couldn't get it. The offense was was very, very bad. And six points isn't going to win you big big games. Not when everything on the line. You've got to score points. And, um, you know, the throw game was just bad all around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just felt like in, in terms of the passing game, you know, it's like they didn't have big plays, but they kept trying to just kind of chuck it up in, in a lot of plays, especially late. I mean, part of that is you need to pick up some yards, but a lot of the big the plays that they had drawn up and the routes, they, I mean, it just was just putting it out there and, and just kind of hoping for a miracle. It never felt like a play that some of these passes that they were kind of drawing up and, and just kind of heaving up were going to connect. Um, and I don't know if that's if that's just lack of creativity in, in the – in the route calling or just guys not getting open or a combination of both or just Graham Mertz missing it. But the passing game overall just looked completely out of sync. Um, and, and and maybe that part of that is because they, they sold out for the run and said, hey, you know, make the passing game beat them, and, and they couldn't do it. I mean, kudos to Minnesota that they were able to hold up and, and, and shut that down and then still be able to cover the pass. But really, I, it just never felt like even the, even when, you know, Minnesota was daring Wisconsin to throw the football. They tried it. They just couldn't do it. They couldn't really hit anything going, and, and you saw that. I mean, the, the average yards per play was terrible. Um, just everything was just flat-out bad. I know that's just kind of a, a cop-out way to say it, but that's a that's really the the assessment of it. You never really felt like Minnesota's defense was, was all that threatened, and it just was collectively um, a, a bad performance, and I think that falls a little bit on everyone of that offense. And, and when you don't have that, you know, uh, it's kind of like when in baseball, I think uh, in your recap, you wrote up that you're not having that second pitch. It's kind of, I think that was a great metaphor, what you put out there, is that when, when the fastball is working but you got nothing else, you know, the, the opposing team can just kind of tee off on that. And that's what it felt like for Wisconsin's offense, where the they didn't have their, their main pitch, and the second pitch just wasn't working. And really it just was, until it started to, you, you didn't feel confident that this team was going to make any sort of head road into uh, getting back into that football game. It was a close game, but really it didn't feel like it really should have been with the way the offense was kind of going. Yeah, like you said, 3.9 yards per play, 4.5 on their pass attempts. Minnesota, 12.4 on their pass attempts, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's 4.5 yards per pass attempt is brutal. That's not all on Graham Mertz. Like, Graham Mertz had a bad game. He was not accurate with the football. There was miscommunication. But that doesn't all fall on him. There was opportunities. Kendrick Pryor had a couple of balls. One went right through his head on a deep ball. Um, and, and he should have – Pryor should have been able to – to make sure that that interception didn't happen at the very least. Um, and, and sometimes your players, wide receivers, just need to be able to go and make a play and that they weren't able to do, and, and that falls on the, the wide receiving group. But um, there's a lot of a lot to work through here. Uh, I, I just feel bad for a guy like Jake Ferguson in his draft talk. Like, just you, you look at what he had this year um, going into it and um, the career he's had with the Badgers and to see – just their inability to really move the ball through the air this season um, because of the offensive line, because of the receiving threats, and because of Mertz. It, it, it makes it so that you have a guy who came back when he could have easily gone to the NFL, and it just didn't materialize for him. And, and hopefully he still gets drafted because he's a, he's a tremendous player. Yeah, absolutely is. And, uh, yeah, certainly hope the wish and wish the best uh, for him. And we'll see, you know, how this whole bowl game kind of shakes out for this offense. And they'll need to – they'll have some time to put together. Hopefully they can come out and, and be a little bit better. But uh, overall, um, uh, just a, a dot of a performance to end the season. And now you've got to 
uh, sit with the sour taste in your mouth for probably a month or so when you talk about you know playing in a late December bowl game at least. Uh, so it's going to sit with you for a while, which is certainly disappointing. Defensively, like I mentioned, they they played a good enough game to to win this game. Um, they didn't play their best game. I think the big thing that was the difference there was even the even going back to the Nebraska game. This team hasn't generated the pressure that it takes for for Jim Leonard's defense to win. And when you don't generate that pressure, I think you saw that uh, the secondary, I think a lot of the attention of the defensive struggles were looking at the secondary was playing poorly. But I think part of that, these two kind of units work hand in hand. And and specifically at Wisconsin, that that makes a huge difference if you're not getting pressure because your secondary is left in coverage um, for, for longer amounts of time. So it's a cohesive unit, but overall this defense, really didn't play well. It's been two weeks now where they haven't played up to um, what they wanted to be and where they were early in the season. So what did you make overall of the uh, the defensive performance from Saturday? Yeah, similar to what happened on the offense where the offensive line was, was mm-hmm. overwhelmed. I thought the front seven, like you mentioned, wasn't able to – to get to the quarterback, wasn't able to do what they had been doing. They had three sacks, and, and part of that was because of individual efforts. I mean, you look at Keanu Batten, and he had a hell of a game. Um, and I'm happy for him because he is a tremendous player. It hasn't really bared out in the stat sheet, but you look at his game, six tackles, two tackles for loss, you know, that were sacks, and that's really impressive. But Wisconsin, one quarterback hurry um, beyond the three sacks that they had. Um, they had plenty of time to throw. They they took advantage of play action quite quite nicely against Wisconsin. Um, and Wisconsin's secondary wasn't good enough. And um, I, I think part of it, Colin Wilder would have been really nice to have there. Torchio mm-hmm. struggled um, specifically in, in play action. He'd been a couple times um, with his eyes in the backfield. Um, same thing with Scott Nelson. He had a couple moments like that. Their tight ends, just like we saw Nebraska, take advantage of Wisconsin's tight end um, with their tight ends. Minnesota did the same. Um, and Wisconsin's just got to be got to be better. That secondary's um, was was their kind of Achilles heel this year. They've made some plays on the ball in, in recent weeks, but a big part of that has been pressure. When teams are able to use a sturdy offensive line and give themselves time, they can take advantage of this Wisconsin secondary because Wisconsin's still working to get more speed in that in that group. And um, you know, beyond Leo Chanel playing hero ball and getting 14 tackles. And in seeing a guy like Keanu Benton ripping stuff up inside, the rest of the defense really struggled. Herbig couldn't hold the edge. Jack Sanborn was having a tr- having some trouble getting in there. I mean, you saw running backs stone Wisconsin's blitzers at times. Jack Sanborn got lit up one time by by Minnesota's running back, which you just don't necessarily see. Um, but overall, I mean, you look at this; it's it's another um, bad performance overall for a team. The defense, though. They they gave up 23 points, which is when you're looking at it um, in the grand scheme of things, you'd hope for a lower number. But 23 points is still mm-hmm. low. Like you could still win that game if you have any pulse on offense. And Wisconsin didn't. When you when you look at it, the the spread between the 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 offense and the defense was just so huge that Minnesota, being a more consistent football team on both sides, just won out. And Wisconsin needs to be better. The Badgers' defense sport spotted the offense seven points. And um, the offense also put this defense in some bad situations. They got to be better. And Wisconsin's defense has been kind of exposed the past couple of weeks when they can't get pressure. They got to be better. And the, as a group, there's going to be a lot of reflection that needs to take place. And um, I, I trust that 
the coaching staff's going to do that and the players will do that. There's nobody more pissed off about the result than the team, but it is it doesn't take away from how frustrating it is for fans, for players, for coaches, for everybody involved. Yeah, absolutely. Like you mentioned, that's a game that they certainly could win based on the defensive output. And you talk about uh, you know the pick six by Scott Nelson was was huge in that game. Um, but I, I think collectively, overall, offense, defense, coaching staff, everybody could look in the mirror and say, hey, we, we needed to be better to win a game like that because it's not like Minnesota came out. They had a good game plan, um, but I think if you were to you make some adjustments and you felt like you had something else in there on both sides of the ball, I think you could have had success. It just didn't seem like they had that. It, I don't want to. It's hard to say that they were seemed flat in a rivalry game, but it did kind of seem like that, which is um, – you know, probably not the case, but maybe they're just kind of caught off guard with when things weren't working. But overall, just really disastrous trip, um, and, and everyone needs to do some self-reflection. And, and like I said earlier, it's going to be a sour taste in their mouth for, for quite some time, and it'll be interesting to see how this team bounces back and, and how they perform, um, you know, in that bowl game, wherever it ends up being. Um, it's going to be, it, you know, Wisconsin historically has played really well in bowl games. But they haven't had to, you know, deal with that loss and sit on that for a month. So I think it's going to be an interesting, you know, something to watch for with this coaching staff is how they get these guys to respond. I mean, you know, this bowl season, not to get too far ahead, but in, in college football, it's kind of changed where some guys aren't playing and, and some sometimes they don't mean as much to certain players. And I don't think that that'll be the case with um, guys from Wisconsin, but uh, it's certainly something to watch for. Um, so hopefully they can finish on a high note because right now this is probably. Um, one of the lowest notes that you could could really draw. Yeah, especially when you look at the hopes coming into the season mm-hmm. and then the results to lose the acts the way that they did and, and really a poor performance in way in which they were dominated, in, in my eyes. Um, dominated might be a pretty strong word, but I look at it as I think Minnesota beat them in a lot of ways at their own game, and that's frustrating to see. You, you saw um, coaching errors like that flip it. Trying out the punt team, oh, my God. Like, I just about wanted to rip my own throat out um, during that when I saw that. Um, and I know Paul Christ um, kind of jumped on the sword for, for Coach Herring, but um, we're, we're going to talk more about uh, what needs to change this offseason probably in our next episode, I would think. But th- that's inexcusable. <laughs> like, yeah. you're down two scores. Um, trotting up the punt unit is, is in a short yardage situation when you need points is, is just stupid. Like, there's no other way to put it. Um, I know you were upset. I think everybody was upset. We saw punts inside the 35 again. Oh, we that saw, was gross. Yeah. Like, we saw field goals, like a 25-yarder, a 28-yarder. Like, come on. Wisconsin needs to be better in all areas here. Um, And even putting Larsh out there in a mm-hmm. crummy situation for a Damn near 50-yard field goal, 48-yard field goal when he's got a long of 48. It's cold out. You're on the road. Like, what are we doing here? Like, I just – it's it was one of those where you just say, okay, blow up this game because it was just terrible. And uh, Wisconsin needs to be better. And it was, it was, like I said, I'm most frustrated in the, the fact that you saw Minnesota take it to the Badgers and, and now win the Axe two out of four years. That's – that's not positive development for this team, and they got to make changes this offseason. Um, I don't want to get into it because we only got so much time, but we should definitely talk about it next episode. Yeah, I think that will be a, a very much a main topic of conversation here as we have this now kind of 
a lull between games. I mean, I know we were both expecting to be talking and hoping to be talking about a Big Ten championship on our second episode of the week, but we'll certainly have to switch gears and talk about some changes because they do need to come. And, um, and in order for this program to move forward to get to the spot they want to be, um, it needs to, to come, and uh, we'll, we'll dive into everything that could possibly uh, be in the works for the Badgers uh, on a later episode for sure. All right, guys, that wraps up the latest episode of the podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed uh, some positive basketball talk and uh, some maybe some cathartic release in terms of the uh, football talk. We'll be back with you later in the week, as always, on Wisconsin. Thank you.